Hello, everyone. Welcome to Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine, the greatest podcast about the two great 90s space station shows. This is Bob from uh, Cascadia. I got Matt from the Southland on the line. How you doing today, Matt? Doing all right. We're going to be talking about Centauri dicks, so get ready. Lots and lots of Centauri dicks. Lots. And the great thing is, is that if you have one Centauri, you already have a lot of Centauri dicks. Very true. Very true. Very true. So today we're talking uh, the Quality of Mercy episode of Babylon 5, Season 1, Episode 19, by the way we're counting, which aired on the 17th of August, 1994. And then we're talking Crossover, Season 2, Episode 23 of Deep Space Nine, which aired on the 15th of May, 1994. Yep, so the first one, we're gonna, the, the episode of Babylon 5, we're going to be talking about Quality of Mercy. This is the one where we learned Londo has six sticks. Yep, yep, and uh, remarkably, I didn't work that into the plot summary. Well, damn, Bob. We're going to have to get that figured out. All right, <laughs> well, let's talk about the uh, the A plot. You want to read, read that for us? Sure, sure. So we've got an A, B, and a C plot this time. In the A plot, we've got Dr. Franklin investigating the disgraced Dr. Laura Rosen, who may be a quack, and her mysterious alien healing machine, or maybe healing machine, all the while Dr. Franklin thirsts after Dr. Rosen's daughter, Janice. Then in the B-plot, we have Winters being forced to scan the mind of serial killer Carl Edward Muller in preparation for Garibaldi carrying out Ombuds Wellington's sentence of the death of personality on Carl Muller. And then in the C-plot, we have Moliari, after a conversation with Protocol Minister Verini, uh, conning Lanier into joining him for a striptease and poker escapade. To which we learn Londo has six dicks. There you go. Fixed it for you. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, in this episode, Matt, we learn, uh, or we're introduced rather, to three things that will be important later in the series. Care to take a guess or hazard a guess at what those three things are? Are they Londo's dicks? Sadly, no. Sadly, no. Okay. Maybe Londo, they... The Centauri dicks will, will get mentioned a few more times, but they don't play the major role that one would hope. How about the, uh, that, that healing machine thing? Correct, correct. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll just say uh, the healing machine. It's a, it's a clumsy deus ex machina, but I think if you look at its role in the long term of Babylon 5, it has a surprisingly salutary effect. Shh, Bob, you're pissing off our Twitter users. Chill. All right. And <laughs> is the, uh, will the other thing be like a winner's psychic burnout crap going on, whatever happened with her? Because I feel like if you're part of Psychor... Well, not really part of psych war, but if you're a, a, a psychic, you're pretty much screwed. Like, anytime you use your power for anything cool, you, you get hurt or harmed. I guess it's, it reminds me a lot of Jean Grey in the X-Men series. Yeah, yeah, just kind of hard luck telepathy. Um, I, you could maybe say that's a fourth uh, important thing that's going to be play out later on. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't at the top of my mind okay. while watching this episode. That was the third thing, but it's all good, it's all good. Yeah, so I, I would say Let's that... Just to reiterate, Bob, I, I'm just going to say it again. Londo's dicks, okay? Yeah, you yeah. got that one right. You got Londo's dicks. Yeah, yeah, I got so, that. So got not that. not an issue. All right. So Londo's dicks, we won't go back to that. The healing machine, and then I said winner's psychic burnout. Yes, yes. And the only thing we're going to go back to is the healing machine. Is that what you're saying? Um, Like I said, the dicks will come up, but they, I just wouldn't call them important. Okay, okay. Just want to make sure... Uh, Winter's having, what would you say, angst over her telepathy. 
uh, that that is a factor later on, but not something I was thinking of when I uh, asked this question. Gotcha. The other two things I was thinking of um, may disappoint you. Um, one is that the death of personality. Uh, I actually wouldn't call it a major part of the series, but it is responsible for what may be the series' uh, single best episode in season three, I believe. Um, so look forward to that. And then also, um, it's weird, but uh, Protocol Minister Verini, the guy uh, Londo talks to on the comm in the opening of the episode, he actually becomes a major character later on in the show. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, when I, when I hear that death of personality thing the first thing that pops in my head is uh that uh, is cult of personality that song <laughs> like, oh oh I, I just thought you were referring to the concept of cult of personality and i was just going to be like well two words are the same but other than that I don't yeah exactly really well I mean, the, the song is <laughs> so the like you know, the cult of personality cult of personality you know the song i'm talking about uh no i assume this is some 80s thing that i missed 90s but it's okay I'm just thinking you could take it and reword it to death of early, personality. Early 90s, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Which maybe, yeah, death of personality would be like a really cool song, too, if they did it that way. They could, they could even play it before they flip the death of personality switch. I may even play a little piece of it right now during the podcast. Beep. I've been everything you want to be. Oh, I'm a personality. Damn, you get, you're gonna get us a copyright strike on YouTube, Matt. That's your goal here. Now, now you know what I'm talking about. There we go. De- yeah, just, I, I forget what the rule is, but just keep it under the number of seconds for a lot. I think, it's, to play, I think it's, uh, eight, it's eight seconds, but I think you're the seconds. only you're the only person that doesn't know what I'm talking about, so it's okay. All right, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I may be ignorant about bad early '90s pop, Matt, but I understand that YouTube's predatory anti-copyright algorithm all too well. All right, so apparently, like. You know, it, during this during the sentencing piece here, there's two ways you can like I guess there's two two forms of capital punishment they look at. Okay, you got spacing, and then you have death of personality, and spacing is reserved only for those people who uh, commit mutiny or treason, which to me would make me like freaked out because I don't want to be like sucked out into space for either of those. Um, and it seems like there's a lot of that that actually goes on on Babylon 5 at times. So, Ivanova better watch out. Looking Damn. at you. Looking at you, Ivanova. Damn. Don't get spaced. The death of personality thing reminds me of what they did to Magneto at the end of uh, the X-Men movies, the original three, where he's like playing chess and he's an invalid. You know, he's like, eh. I mean, I, I must confess, I never actually made it all the way through uh, the third X-Men movie. Oh, well, anyway, he, he's an invalid and he's playing chess. And then, like, his power is like kind of come back because they wipe him of his powers and his like personality you know when do you know what point in the comics uh, professor x wipes uh his uh memory and personality i don't remember but you remember that uh crossover fatal attractions yes yeah where Mag- uh, magneto rips out wolverine's adamantium skeleton yes Yes, yes. Uh professor x is so angry about that. Maybe something else too. I can't remember if Magneto does something else, but he's so angry about that in particular that he puts the mind whammy on him at the climax of Fatal Attractions, which uh, then indirectly leads into the Onslaught Saga, the worst period of the X-Men's history. Hmm. Good job taking on all that adamantium and screwing up one of your best characters, Wolverine. I I mean, I I still think that's a cool thing. Like, it's, you know, I mean, honestly... 
I love the Cliss Claremont run, but it's kind of a criticism of the Cliss Claremont run that it went on for, you know, what, like 13 years and, you know, you never did the obvious thing. If you got a man with a metal skeleton and you've got a man with magnetic powers and you can rip it out. Although I guess in fairness to Claremont, we I don't think we find out about the metal skeleton until maybe the late 80s. Yeah, I'm going to raise my hand and go, well, what about Colossus? Can they like rip his stuff off too? Well, at this point in uh, X-Men history, Colossus has uh, joined the Acolytes and is uh, working with um, Magneto because he is really uh, angry that Professor X and Beast couldn't save his uh, kid sister from the legacy virus. Interesting. All right, folks, in case you're uh, you know just tuning in, uh, you're not listening to Jay and Miles' awesome X-Men podcast. We're... <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm going to bite my tongue about that. <laughs> we'll go back to, uh, we'll move ourselves back to Babylon 5. What do you think of Dr. Ro, uh, Dr. Rosen? She's played by June Lockhart of uh, Lost in Space fame. She actually uh, was the mom on that show. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought it was a pretty good performance. I uh, I thought she looked vaguely familiar, but I didn't take the time to look her up. So I'm kinda, I was kind of surprised when you laid this fact on me in the outline. And uh, yeah, like you say in the notes, it's a real crime that, you know, you get uh, June Lockhart from the original Lost in Space, and then you don't put her in a scene with uh, Lanier, who, of course, is played by Bill Moomey, who was Will Robinson on that show. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of strange they didn't do that, and it really pissed a lot of people off on the internet back in the '90s. Uh, you know, like I ten, mean, ten people that were on Usenet. Most angry people on the internet should uh, get a life and get a job, and I include myself in that. But <laughs> I, I would say that's actually a pretty fair complaint. Yeah, uh, JMS just flat out said though, like he couldn't find a way to get them together, like for any reason that would make sense story wise. So. Well, I mean, I in the notes here, I start complaining about how uh, Janice it, has a really ridiculous position in this episode where she doesn't care what her mother's doing or whether or not she's actually helping these people as long as it makes her mother feel good. And that, uh, that position really annoyed me. And it's uh, both absurd and deeply unethical. And so, I don't know, you could have just, like you say, you could have just not had Janice and, uh, you know, I don't know, had Lanier serve that role, I guess. Yeah, Janice could have been removed from this episode completely. Janice is the daughter of Dr. Rosen, for those of you listening. And uh, her character is so pointless. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you could have, he could have just taken the, he could have just taken Dr. Rosen hostage and that would have been, that would have been fine. You didn't have to have Janice's character. Other than for the for the love interest type thing they were doing with Dr. Franklin. So I, I did want to ask you, uh, how much better uh, or not did you think uh, this episode was than our other uh, medical and legal episodes of Babylon 5 Season 1, i.e. Believers and Grail? Well, Believers is like the worst episode I think I've seen so far. Uh, so there's really no comparison. If you had an episode where like Franklin does nothing but check the crew for prostate cancer... Uh, probably would have been better than Believers. <laughs> like, you can't get like worse than that. Uh, Grail was a fun episode, even with the premise it's named after, and I was glad to see the, the return of the, the courtroom drama. And I, I thought of a legit courtroom on a space station that's kind of grown on me a little bit. Like, I think more, I think it makes more sense than what we see on Deep Space Nine, where it's just, you know, the one they never, they don't really go to too many, they don't have too many like trials or anything on Deep Space Nine, other than that one episode that we watched, uh, was it Dax? Dax, yeah. Yeah. Did you know there was a prison on B5? Do they call it a prison or do they just call it the brig? I, I thought they referred to it as a prison, but maybe I need to go back and maybe I need to go back and look at that again. But even so, like apparently do they put lifers in the brig? <laughs> well, I got 
I got the impression that they don't like it's only designed for short-term sentences so that it would maybe be more appropriately called a brig or a jail um just because it like you know i thought garibaldi's like reluctance to keep muller there for the rest of muller's life like kind of you know he said they didn't have the space but he also implied that they that's not really like what the brig or i i don't know the prison if you want to call it the prison is for yeah it was just odd in rolls they kept so many people there if it's if it's full like that's they must have a huge ass jail i i will say that um at the risk of a spoiler that one major character will do i think 90 days in the babylon 5 jail in a future season i might be misremembering the number of days solitary confinement question Uh, it's not it's not solitary it's not solitary which is which is good. It's dystopian as uh, the Babylon 5 future is with, like, you know, growing fascism and the Earth government and the fact that apparently Bernie Sanders and Clement Attlee really lost in this timeline and you don't have anything like uh, government-provided uh, uh, health care uh, and it's really expensive and that most of the people in the down below don't have access to it. Despite all those facts, um, at least they, they don't seem to practice solitary confinement, which is, you know, recognized as torture by the UN and rightfully so. Well, that's good to know. Thanks, Babylon 5. Yeah, that was a little bit of econ watch just ahead of schedule. Yeah. So speaking of Grail, uh, that creature that inhabits an encounter suit has tentacles that look an awful lot like the dick Londo uses to cheat at cards, Bob. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I, I noted that down in Thirst Watch as being ironic, and now I want to spin out like... Maybe there's like a psychoanalytic theory you could do where the reason that uh, Londo and the Centauri fear the Nakaleen's tentacles so much is it's really just fear of their own dicks and their own male potency. And so it's, you know, kind of like the fear, the terror we might feel when we look at the head of the Medusa, you know? Yeah, that's it. You're right, Bob. Oh, man, Sigmund Freud would have had a field day with uh, with the Centauri. I really wish that could have happened. Yeah, that, that would have been kind of cool. I, I don't, I don't know. I think they just like to be like they just like to give him a bunch of dicks. He plays cards with his dick, just letting you know. Yeah, but only one. He's get he's doing he's doing something else with the other five. I just want to read it. This is the show you're making me watch, Bob, from the '90s. A show where a man has six dicks and uses one to play cards. Yeah, and uh, that means the Centauri are three times as cool as the Klingons, Matt. <laughs> Shit, you made me spit tea. Yep. It's case you're, Klingons you, have... you, yeah, the Klingons only have two dicks, man. You're right. So the, the debate among me and my friends who watch Star Trek up here, Matt, is how are the Klingon dicks positioned? Are they positioned horizontally, vertically, or some other way? Um, I'm going to assume it's like one of those, like... Uh like the like a toy you know that has like <laughs> like parallel lines okay so they're parallel they're on a horizontal axis you're saying yes well i guess they would be i guess the way i'm describing either way you could describe it's not like he has one coming out of his what? butt and one coming out of the front like i but mean what, like, he's... But like they're both in the general like pelvic region and you're saying one is like sitting right to the, like the right or left of the other uh no. not on top of or below on, on top and below Okay, okay. You you envision it also on the vertical axis. Okay. Correct, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I do too. I, I envision it on the vertical. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I'm glad we had this moment. It me, clarified me, a lot for me, us. Me too. There's a quick note when uh, this episode was released, JMS was asked if the you know, the newfound contraption that known as the internet had any impact on his decisions towards upcoming episodes. 
And JMS goes on this like short rant about uh, Nagrath, you know, our beloved Zorak, and how people on the internet hated him, and he plans on killing Nagrath and removing him permanently from the show. So I'm just gonna go ahead and say, uh, fuck you, 1994 dial-up users. So you you really liked uh, Zorak? Yeah, Bob. I mean, uh, he, he grew on me. He's just like, oh, okay. I mean, it, only in three episodes. That's some quick growing. It took I mean, me a not, while. Not as quick as Londa's dick, but pretty he's, quick. He's cool looking. He's like legit alien, you know? He's not just humanoid. Is this a roundabout way of confessing an in- insect fetish, Matt? No, I have no. Maybe a no. grasshopper fetish? No, no, no. Okay, none, okay. Just checking. None, no. Just checking. None of that, Bob. I just have no. Because it, 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 if it is, that's fine. I just like to think that maybe space goes coast to coast and Babylon 5 exists in the same universe. Let it go. I, I, no objections here. Which, Although I, I am really grateful that the, there is no Brack equivalent on, um, on <laughs> Babylon 5. Although, I don't know, maybe maybe you could argue that, um, that uh, uh, what's his name, Kato, uh, Lon, uh, Malari's aide, is the Brack equivalent. Mm, yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. Short, loud, annoying. Yeah, kind of, kind of like looking in the mirror. Okay, now, <laughs> ouch, ouch. No, I meant for me. Sorry, I'm about to make it funny. You, you're tall. What are you talking about? Yeah, but I mean, two of those others arguably applied. Oh, it was it was talking about me. I guess I'm not really that loud though. I guess if we were a combination of these things and then in the mirror. This uh, this foreshadows one of the worst um, Babylon Five episodes in season five when Penn and Teller come to the station. And we lost a follower. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I mean, am, am, am I being passive aggressive? I feel like I'm passive aggressive. <laughs> and we have a just to give our, our uh, followers a heads up. Just to give our, our listeners a heads up, we do have uh, over a thousand downloads uh, this month. So awesome! Keep it coming. Keep it listening. And we do love our, and we do love feedback, and this has all just been to be playful, folks. Don't don't take don't take it too seriously. All right. Yeah. When when you sent me the screenshot, I couldn't initially read it in a text message of somebody uh, criticizing uh, the fact that we talk too much about foreshadowing on the show, and I was uh, I was going to make a very hurtful joke, but then went on Twitter when I actually read the whole comment, and it was you know, it was softened like you should do with criticism in between two compliments. I was just like. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't need to say anything rude to this person. Instead, I'll just passive, passive aggressively try to annoy them on the podcast. Bob likes everything in the form of a sandwich. Ew. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's one of the reasons I'm so large, Matt. I like all those carbs. Bob wanted to view your comment, but he uses an original series communicator as a foam, so he had trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it just involves a lot of squinting when people send me screenshots. Bob uses a flip phone. Just throwing it out there. And not the consumer. He's like consumer cellular at like 36. I live my best life over here, man. (laughs) You probably do because you're not connected to the internet constantly like I am. Nope. Nope. I'm like tapped into the machine. It's like the Matrix. See, when I I waste time doom scrolling Twitter, I do it in a chair in front of my uh, desktop computer. And then after about 20 minutes, I feel like shit. And I usually stop and go for a walk. Well, Bob, I just, I just look at my phone all damn day, like 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah, so, I don't think so which of us is living their best life, Bob? I, I mean, I, I don't want to like judge your lifestyle, Matt, but I think it's inarguably uh, not you. You think it's not me? I think it's not you, dog. I'm going to go get an, I'm going to go to communicator. Where can I get a flip phone, Bob? I just want to know where you get one. 
God. You can't tell um, me you have the same one. You can't tell me you have the same one you've had for that but this long. Do you want to hear the entire the entire awful story about this? No, I really don't. Just tell me where you get it, because <laughs> I don't even know where you find well, those. For for years, I just got them at the AT and T store, uh, and I got the same model for years, and it more or less worked. But then last year, I went to the AT and T store, and they didn't have uh, they didn't have them anymore. So I went to motherfucking Best Buy, and I got this one I have. But because of the way, I guess they moved it to like four G. Like the phone doesn't work as well as it used to. So the sad thing is I probably am going to have to transition to a smartphone in the near future because uh, my current 4G phone can't do basic things right, like uh, group texting. It's really annoying, which never was a problem on the flip phone when it was just 3G. Also, my old my my old man still has a flip phone, too, and I used to be able to send him pictures of my cat and my friend's pit bulls, which was nice and a good conversation piece between me and the old man. But now... Uh, on his uh, shitty 3G flip phone, he can't even get those pictures anymore. So all I'm just saying is that progress leaves some people like me and my old man behind. Go to Patreon. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now we're going to transition to a mirror universe where Matt can keep a straight face. Yeah, we're going to transition Ayo. to the mirror universe. Matt can't laugh at his own jokes. <laughs> the, this is uh, the one where Kira and Bashir meet dominatrix Kira in the mirror universe. And our A, a plot, with returning from Bajor's first Gamma Quadrant colony, a strange wormhole crossing puts Kira and Bashir into the Mirror Universe. Jim Kirk visited a century before in the original series. Then in the B plot, we have uh, Kira getting wined and dined by her Mirror Universe counterpart, the Intendant. Meanwhile, she's also recruited by Mirror, Mirror Kira's second, Mirror Garrick. At the same time, Bashir must work under the tyrannical oversight of Mirror Odo in ore processing, but his spirit stirs something in both Smiley O'Brien and Mirror Cisco. Smiley O'Brien. Smiley O'Brien. All right, so this is the sequel to the classic Mirror episode, Mirror Mirror, from the original series, and it's the first of five uh, DS9 Mirror episodes. Enterprise Season 4 also did a Mirror Universe two-parter, as did Disco Season 3, and Disco Season 1 has like a four-part Mirror Universe arc. Of all those Mirror Universe episodes, Matt, which is your favorite? None of these, Bob. None of them. What? What? I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the IDW Star Trek Next Generation Mirror Universe Collection. Gotta check that out. It's a comic book. Graphic novels. A set of graphic novels. But Matt, uh, don't Star Trek uh, comics usually suck? No, it's pretty good. I liked it. I liked it. They don't always suck. Okay. That was pretty good. There's Mirror Broken, Through the Mirror, and Terra Incognita. There's three different uh, story arcs. And it really bridges the gap between the original episode and then the DS9 episodes. So mm -hmm. it kind of fills all that in and what happened. And um, it's just a fun take on the characters, and you should just check it out for Mirror Picard. which he, He's, like, jacked in that series. I, I have seen uh, that in memes of jacked Mirror Picard. Did you ever read that uh, Next Generation Mirror Universe book when we were kids? I think it was called Dark Mirror by Diane Duane. I think I did, yes. I sort of get stuff starts to overlap after a while, but yeah, I think I did. Yeah, I owned it, but I don't think I ever read it, which is a shame, because I really liked some of Diane Duane's like, original series novels. I just don't think I ever got around to reading that one. So what are your two favorite um, Mirror Universe episodes? 
Uh, well, I, I would just like to first say that, uh, although I have enjoyed some Star Trek comics, like the uh, Star Trek Planet of the Apes comic, really good, actually. And uh, the Star Trek Legion of Superheroes crossover comic, really good. Uh, the Star Trek Doctor Who comic sucked. Um, I'm still a little bitter about that one. Um, anyway, so for Mirror Universe episodes, um, I really do enjoy both the two-parters from Enterprise and Discovery, which is kind of funny to say because I rarely would I be praise either of those prequel shows. I really don't like prequels as a rule, but uh, those uh, those two-parters in an Enterprise and, and Discovery do are some of the best stuff either show has put out, so I, I've really enjoyed those. Yeah, the only thing I remember about the two uh, Enterprise episodes is they changed the opening theme music, you know, from Faith of the Heart to uh, whatever, I don't remember what they played, some kind of like... I think it's just a darker instrumental theme, version. Maybe. Yeah, or dark, but, maybe it's not, an, it's not an instrumental version, but it's an instrumental theme, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, Faith of the Heart, which is hilarious. They should have They should have just turned it into like Satan of the Heart or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean it's it's not it's not a coincidence that the best two episodes of Enterprise uh, have a different opening. I'm just saying. <laughs> so let's take a look at the different characters in the Mirror Universe. What did you think of Mirror Odo? Uh, Mirror Odo was a hoot. I uh, I'd forgotten about the rules of obedience gag. Uh, that was a good gag. And uh, I really think that Odo in this episode is what I would have imagined Odo would have acted like during like the Cardassian occupation of Terra Nor. I think I mentioned that in a previous episode. <laughs> uh yeah i mean you know we we did see that he was basically a collaborator with the bajoran resistance from from jump but yeah i mean it's it's just kind of hard to believe that a guy can be the cop for the occupation force and then the cop for the liberated force and then a cop for a third occupation force yeah and then uh they actually what's interesting is the and there's a section 31 novel called disavowed you ever heard of it? Um, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it because I try not to read the Section 31 novels because I think Section 31 is overexposed. Bob doesn't like Section 31. I, I don't have a problem with Section 31. I just don't need to read a whole novel about it. Well, from what I, from what I read, it said that Dr. Bashir actually theorizes that the uh, primary universe Odo may have originated in the mirror universe <laughs> and then like switch sides with the Odo of the primary universe at some point because of the way their personalities and temperament are. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of shitty though. Cause it's like, it's being like, Oh, all, all the changelings in the prime universe are evil and slave drivers. And I guess by extension, Oh, all the changelings in the mirror universe are passive and benevolent. I, I don't like that. <laughs> Also, yeah. it, it, it was does, a stretch, but it was, yeah. it was it was interesting that somebody actually wrote that down, like it put it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it also sort of misses how like even our beloved cuddly prime universe Odo, uh, he's a little bit of an authoritarian. Yeah, he really is. I mean, it. I don't think that I don't think that's true. I don't think they switched, but it was just it was just interesting to note that that was actually written in the in that novel as a possible theory. So tell me what you thought about Mira Kira. Oh, Mirakira was great. I, I love a, an aggressive, uh, tyrannical uh, bisexual. It was really entertaining. Um, it, it does raise uh, the old age-old mirror universe question, Matt, which is if you have sex with your alternate universe counterpart, is it uh, just normal sex? Is it incest or is it masturbation? We're going we're, we're gonna to get to Thirst Watch and have nothing to talk about, Bob. 
I mean, we just got such enthusiasm for Wanda's dicks and for inner uh, universe uh, sex that, you know, we just uh, we just went early, shall we say. Well, Bob, do you feel the revelation that Emperor Spock's reforms have led to terror and enslavement cheapens the great TOS uh, episode? I, I want an answer to the <laughs> question I just posed. Is it is it regular sex, incest, or masturbation? It's regular. Justify yourself, sir. <sighs> It, it, I'm gonna have to say that it's just regular sex. It's it's like asking if all the supermen from the different worlds like have a Superman orgy. The, there's no like incest there. There's no masturbation because there's multiple people. It's regular. Well, the, I mean, the problem with incest is like genetic similarity, right? So, I mean, I think at least the the specter of an alternate universe raises the potential of genetic similarity. I'm not saying it's just positive, but yeah, you know, there's at least the specter of the concern there. I don't know. I. I like the theory that it's just actually just masturbation. Oh, okay. In the sense that, like, anyone would do it. Like, you'd just be like, oh, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's keep going. Let's, let's, let's go back to that and thirst watch. I will say as a little bit of foreshadowing that uh, the Mirror Universe sex issues get even creepier in future Mirror Universe episodes. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've heard of, I've, I, remember, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, Cisco does something that it's, I, at least in my memory, is super, super shady in a future Mirror Universe episode. <laughs> I, I did think the way this episode handled being a sequel to Mirror Mirror was pretty interesting. Because there hadn't been a whole lot of, like, direct sequel episodes in between Star Trek series yet. I guess we did have that um, Next Generation episode where they get the same disease that they had in the original series. So I think it's the Naked Time is the original series episode and the Naked Now is the Next Generation episode. So you'd had some sequels like that and then you'd had uh, Blood Oath, which was in some sense a sequel to the original series where you know you had the three Klingon captains showing up on DS9. Uh, but this still seems to be a relatively early example of it using um, doing direct sequels in between Star Trek series. And so it was just kind of fun that like Prime Kira has never heard of Captain Kirk, which, you know, is probably right. Even though he's an important captain, why would this Bajoran resistance fighter ever have heard of him? And then I did uh, also enjoy the idea that it's like Emperor Spock's reforms have led to Terran enslavement. I thought that was kind of an interesting spin on doing a sequel. Although I could also see where it might be a little annoying if you if you really love the original and it's just like, oh yeah, okay, actually all the good things that uh, Prime Kirk and Mirror Spock did, actually none of it matters. And, you know, just a mirror universe is inherently evil and things get worse and worse. Yeah, I mean, Kirk's influence was like this huge gross violation of the Prime Directive in that original episode. And uh, like we discussed in the last, and actually in the last episode we discussed, uh, you can't just change these things overnight and leave them alone. And there's probably a reason that the Terran Empire was so brutal to begin with. You know, so it, it, it just doesn't really work that way. Yeah, I don't know if I would agree that it's a violation of the Prime Directive, though, because we're talking about a, we're talking about a warp-capable society, right? So we're kind of past that. Oh, yeah, that's true. But he's still like he's still influencing them, though. Does it matter if they're? Is that is that how that works? They have, they have uh, warp capabilities that then you can't violate the Prime Directive. I mean, it, it's. It's electively used, so sometimes the Prime Directive seems to mean that as long as the society uh, is below warp speed, um, that means you can't mess with them. 
But other times, the way they write the Prime Directive, it just seems to be a broader directive of non-interference. Uh-oh. See, that's what I was thinking. It was more like just, you're not really supposed to interfere with the uh, the path that they've put forth or whatever. Did you know that, Did you actually know that Worf was originally going to be in this episode? Uh, no, I didn't. When you when you said that, it kind of retroactively made sense of Telok, who I, you know I thought was fine, but I was kind of wondering like, okay, why are they going all in on this character we've never heard of in the Prime Universe? Yeah, he was filming all good things at this point, so they couldn't he couldn't make an appearance, which would have been interesting because he shows up later, you know, in the in the other DS. Yeah, it's episodes. interesting that they'd been apparent. I didn't realize that they had wanted Worf on the show for so long. Yeah, every every show needs Worf. Yeah, he really was the Wolverine of 90s Trek. Everything's better with Worf. All the Terran mining slavery we see Dr. Bashir forced into uh, does raise the question, do you have a uh, favorite uh, movie about slavery or favorite TV series about slavery? I'm just going to go with Django Unchained. Uh, couldn't really think of too many movies I've seen that deal with slavery. You, you have like a whole repertoire of movies you've watched, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I did research about this once upon a time. But, I mean, in the past 10 years, we've actually gotten a lot of new movies about slavery. There was Django, which I thought was great. Um, 12 Years a Slave, which is also really interesting. There's a uh, Romanian film named Affirm, uh, which is not obviously not dealing with um, chattel slavery in the U.S., but it's dealing with uh, Turks enslaving Romanians. And then there's a, a movie called The Free State of Jones that's uh, set in the uh, before and during the U.S. Civil War. And I, I thought all of those were very good, uh, very good films, although I think in some ways that some of them might be a little controversial about how they, you know, how they choose to depict slavery, you know, and how realistic or not realistic they may be. And I would say that my actual personal favorites uh, for slavery movies are the ones that were made in the 60s and the 70s. The the three that really stand out to me is there's an Italian film called Burn, where Marlon Brando plays this English spy who's in a Portuguese slave colony. And then there's a, a duology that are two U.S. exploitation films from the mid-70s called Mandingo and Drum. And they were a big influence on Django Unchained. And they're a really interesting, really kind of radical portrait of the economy of slavery and the brutality of slavery. Although that said, a lot of liberal film critics like Roger Ebert sort of missed that radicalism and just canned them for no good reason, I would say. So with Dr. Bashir being a slave with a uh, Smiley O'Brien and everything, tell me, uh, how, long did, how long were they actually in the mirror universe? Was it three days? Did you get that? Oh, I, I wasn't paying enough attention tension to note the passage of time but yeah three days seems about right yeah because Bashir acted like he'd been there for like 10 years and I was like I felt bad for him yeah yeah no it's uh, yeah I mean there, there's a lot to say that it's kind of interesting how this episode like depicts slavery too where like it kind of zeroes in on like O'Brien and Bashir actually working on the station but then you know because obviously like Obviously, people besides uh, African-Americans were enslaved in America, but obviously the majority of enslaved people were African-American. And, you know, that that experience has been a, become a big part of uh, African-American history. And it's so it's sort of interesting that they go for having um, the uh, Irish guy and the Middle Eastern guy work as slaves where they have the black guy, Cisco, in this greater position of responsibility, like 
you know, he doesn't seem to be free exactly, but he seems to have been granted a fairly wide latitude by Kira. And so, you know, he's roaming around as some sort of privateer on his ship with his crew. So I thought the, the way the show handled, like, the racial dynamics of that was pretty interesting. And based on the episodes we've watched, you know, because we skipped a couple, uh, this is kind of the first time we really see O'Brien and Bashir become, well, it's not really O'Brien, it's, it's Smiley O'Brien, become friends with Bashir and actually interact with one another. Did you catch on to that at all? Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I think if we had watched every DS9 season two episode, we would have seen their friendship already. I, I think in some of the ones we skipped, that's stressed. But it is kind of funny that the way we're experiencing the show now, it feels like, yeah, really, Bashir and O'Brien's friendship starts in the Mirror Universe. Well, that's what we get for skipping Move Along Home and If Wishes Were Horses. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always a price. There's always a price. I think the one that really does um, cement their friendship, is, is it called the Armageddon game in season two? Yes, yeah, we did skip that one. Yeah, I think that's the one that kind of cements Bashir and O'Brien as buddies. Although, again, I, I haven't watched it in years, so I'm not totally sure about that. What do you think of Bashir uh, k- killing Slave Master Odo? Uh, it was kind of cool. Um, it was, you know, he, Odo blew up. Um, it, I, I did think it was generally interesting that in the Mirror Universe, the writers get to be a lot less precious with the characters, and so they can instantly kill off Mirror Odo and Mirror Quark. Yeah, that was, that's the one cool thing about that. Uh, and then we never actually see Mirror Dax, uh, Mirror Bashir, Jake, or Dukat. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're clearly saving a lot for uh, future mirror universe episodes or maybe not they're not saving but they just there's only a certain amount of stuff they wanted to do and you know they wanted to they obviously wanted to play with having two kiras but they didn't want to play with having two bashirs yeah i wonder if they're actually trill in the mirror universe because i don't think we saw oh, any discovery there definitely are okay that they, they they uh mirror dax shows up in later oh uh, you're right oh, and shit. it's really creepy yeah, yeah 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 i forgot about that you're right does Mirror Jake show up? I don't remember. You know, I would say no, but I can't say that very confidently. I mean, judging by what we know from Cisco, either Jake doesn't exist or Cisco probably just abandoned him to be like some badass like he is. Well, we, we do know that uh, Mirror Jennifer still is still alive, right? And she shows up in a later episode. Yeah, because, yeah. So, who knows? All right, yeah. so let's move on to our watches. First off, we have Thirst Watch. We, I mean, we we already we already covered that. I I, I think we've actually already covered. No, you didn't talk all the thirst. No, you didn't talk about uh, his daughter being hot. I mean, because she's not. Oh, I thought you said she was. The Quack's daughter is hot. That's what you wrote. No, that's that's me writing from the perspective of Franklin. Oh, oh, gotcha. I thought you. <laughs> I wrote that as you. <laughs> no, no, that's that that that's. That's called free indirect speech. It's a literary technique. You're dealing with a common man here, Bob. I don't know these things. (laughs) I read it in your voice. (laughs) And I think it's you. Okay. I mean, what what did we need to... I think we covered all of Thirst Watch. I mean, this whole episode was Thirst Watch. Just to reiterate, you know, Londo does have six dicks. And lets Lanier in on his multiple appendages. And there's the statue... And I always thought these were meant to be the female of the species, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah, there's been several statues uh, like this in the background of the episodes. But I think this is the first one that we actually see with dicks. 
But it also has female genitalia, the statue. Oh. Gah. I don't know. I don't I don't understand their their anatomy. I'm confused. So I I haven't looked this up in Project Babylon or Babylon the Babylon Project wiki, but if I remember right, it's the females have uh, six, shall we say, receptacles. Okay. And I think they're on their lower back. That's some sexy and talk. You know how uh, you know how we have like uh, you know first base, second base, third base, home run terminology for sex. Yeah. Uh, Locker way, room talk. Yeah, yeah. The way the Centauri do that is uh, by how many uh, how many of your tentacle dicks go into a receptacle. So you know, like six is like the full thing, but not everybody gets to do six. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to rule thirty four this and get back to me, Bob. I don't know what that means. Of course you don't. Of course you don't. So uh, we talked a little bit about Kira too. We already have that, and you posed a, a terrible question, uh, and I gave you an answer to it. So and then, and then you made your answer weird. Yeah, then I made my answer weird, to. and I didn't have to. But we're good there. Most likely that's been cut. So you lucky fans don't have to hear it. All right. So let's move on to Econ Watch. We already kind of did that too. Urgh, Bob, you've got to follow the format. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, you did say you did mention that healthcare is very expensive. I did want to point out that uh, I, I definitely would want the Star Trek healthcare if I had the option. Uh, with Star Trek healthcare, you can get stabbed through the heart in a bar fight, and you get an artificial heart. Then you can go on. You can become a Borg. You can get that shit removed from you completely. You can die from a brain disease, and they'll put you in an android body. Have you ever seen an episode of Star Trek where Picard is on the phone settling medical debt for any of this shit, Bob? No, no. Although, I mean, you know, he's he presumably even in Babylon Five, uh, the military does cover the the medical debts of their members. Presumably, that's what although, you think. Gran- although, granted, the getting put in the android body would be pretty costly, and Picard is not a member of Starfleet when that happens. Oh yeah, see, so that, that's the healthcare I want, Bob. I want that healthcare. I want Bernie Sanders to give us Star Trek healthcare. Well, uh, change sadly, that. Yeah, sa- sadly, Bernie Sanders lost, and it looks like sometime uh, in between uh, now and the future of Babylon Five, Clement Attlee loses, and so there is just no no government healthcare to speak of. Nice. And if you're in other countries and wondering what the hell we're talking about. Healthcare in America is not cool. Amer- Americans are savages. That's the answer. Yeah. So please help us. Help us other countries. <laughs> yeah, if we need to need to do a telethon line for uninsured Americans. We need, we need a 1-800 number at the bottom of the screen. Send anything you can. We have medical debt. We all do. For stuff that would have killed us had we not gotten it fixed. It's getting so bad that uh, my friends are starting to take out uh, insurance on their pets. Yes. I have not taken out insurance on my cat because I don't love her that much. On a less somber note, let's move on to favorite character, Bob. (laughs) My favorite character in these episodes, I got to go with Lanier. He's getting character of the week. You always boo Lanier. I don't know why. I I feel there could have been like a spinoff show where Lanier just like hangs out with different people on the station, rides motorcycles with Garibaldi. He gets hookers and gambling with Londo. Just fun stuff with Lanier. I, I don't hate Lanier, but I don't I don't love Lanier style season one subplots and then foreshadowing the way the character of Lanier goes. No 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 no. Okay, 
What's your favorite character? Uh, my favorite character is uh, Mirror Kira in a walk. Uh, she's evil. She's thirsty. Uh, she's bisexual. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite episode this time, though, was Crossover over Quality of Mercy. I just, I like the Mirror Universe stuff. I'm glad they brought it back. I think they could have, uh, I think most of the Mirror Universe episodes are pretty strong in DS9. Yeah, I'm a little ambivalent on the DS9 Mirror Universe episodes. Like, I don't hate them, but I don't really love them either. Um, so I, I would just go ahead and give this one to Quality of Mercy. I thought it was a, a fairly interesting episode, despite some weak spots, like, you know, Janice being a totally useless character. Uh, let's talk about next week for a second. Uh, TKO. Yeah, TKO. I've watched like four times now trying to like it, and it's awful. So get ready for next week. Not Believer's awful, but right down there, pretty close. So are we just going to have to change the subject and talk about Rocky a lot next week? I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. It's this awful episode. is. I mean, the sad thing is, is no matter what we do next week, there probably will be a lot less talk about Centauri Dicks, and that's a tragedy. Yeah, maybe we can fit it in there somewhere. That's what she said. Okay. Hey-o. <laughs> and, and then in DS9, we're going to be looking at The Collaborator. Oh, yeah, this is a weird episode. Huh. So it's it's not the episode where Odo finally gets justice for his crimes during the occupation. No. <laughs> no. It's it's a it's a Bajoran heavy episode. A lot of Kai I mean, Kai talk. Let's see. When is not Kai yet? Is she? No. It's the it's the dude. I can't think of his name. Oh, it's Brile. Brile. Yeah, Brile. This is a Brile so, episode. But it, d is Vedic Win in it? I think so. Yeah. Okay. As long as she's in it. I, I love her, and as long as she's in it, that's great. I Burial is awful, but when when is amazing. I love I love Vedic then Kai win so so much. Keeping with the theme of this, we need you to rule thirty four Vedic win. I why would you want me to uh, to do that? I just I love her <laughs> as a, a, a pure authoritarian. I I don't need to see anything else. What you need to do is rule thirty four Vedic win and Londo. See what you get. You, you have seen her in uh, Once Upon a Time, or, or not Once Upon a Time, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, yeah? Yeah. She, she was a looker back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. She was Nurse Ratched, right? Yeah, she was Nurse Ratched. Yeah. So on that note, this has been Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine, uh, the greatest uh, podcast on the two great 90s space station shows, although probably this week it wasn't the greatest. Uh, this has been uh, Bob from uh, Cascadia. I've had Matt from the Southland on the line. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening, guys.